Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. I want to publicly invite you all to Christmas Eve services right now, okay? All right? You better be here. After all that, at least. Hey, you know what? True confession here. I am one of those, I'll believe it when I can see it type of people. You know, it's not that um, I try to not believe you, but, um, and it's not even that I don't like you when you tell me something. It's just that I am kind of skeptical. Maybe not just a little skeptical, maybe even a lot skeptical. To be honest with you, there are things that I've seen with my own eyes that I don't even believe. Anybody else like that? You ever watch those humans are awesome videos on YouTube? Just try that and you'll be a little skeptical of some of the things that, that human beings can do, in fact. But I be, continue to be reminded that that's not a good way of growing your faith. You ever notice that? That if there aren't some things that you can't understand or, or that you can't see, but there's evidence for them and you won't step into them, your faith is going to be very, very small. Because there's fingerprints of God all around us, and we're going to celebrate one of the ones where his fingerprints were all over it, but we get a little too used to it, I think. Because Christmas is that time when there's such great evidence of God that we'd have to turn our backs, actually, or close our eyes to say, well, it, it didn't happen or it didn't happen that way. Because there's so many things that are going on behind the scenes that we don't get to see. But it doesn't mean that they don't exist. It actually helps us to understand there's plenty of evidence, in fact, so much evidence for all kinds of workings of God, every working of God, that it can actually increase our faith if we'll step into them. But it's a hard thing because the initial immediate thing is usually to deny something that you can't understand and just say, well, that's not really true. Or maybe sometimes you warm up to it a little bit, but we need to warm up to it a lot to the point where we'll actually embrace it. So here's my question for you. What do you do when you enter into the space of the supernatural? What do you do when that happens? At first I had it phrased this way, but I got corrected in a, in a good way. And it was, what do you do when the supernatural steps into your life, right? That's what it feels like at times, but that's not what's happening. God's the one who brought us into his space is what he did. And we do it regularly, in fact, and so I want you to think about those being opportunities to grow your faith. What is that space of the supernatural? It's the place where your experiences and your, your thoughts a lot of times don't, don't match up. It's a place where the supernatural working of God is happening around you and where it's even undeniable, even though we might you know, not be comfortable in that space. And so with that, I want you to question and ask the question, really, is are you ready to grow your faith in those moments? I want you to take you to your passage in Romans chapter one. This, this explains it quite well, those supernatural moments. It's gonna be a little confusing because of some words that are used here, but I want you to look at this with me, okay? It says, for the since the creation of the world, God's, what's that next word? Read it with me. Invisible. Together, God's what? invisible qualities. Many of God's qualities are invisible, right? It's like 
we, we don't see them. But look at what else it says. His eternal power and his divine nature, we can't see those, have been what? Clearly seen. Anybody like, I'm confused. I thought he said they're invisible. Why is he saying now they're clearly seen? Because he's not talking with our eyes. He's saying there's all kinds of evidence for God and God moments in our life, but they are invisible to our eyes. And so we've got to remember though, they can be clearly seen. He says, being understood from what has been made. You know what that is right there that he's talking about? He's talking about nature. Nature itself will show you God. It will. It'll begin the conversation. It won't finish it for you. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. That means we have evidence of what we cannot see. That's supernatural. That's what supernatural is. Evidence of things that we cannot see. And it's amazing when that takes place. Just do this right now if you would. Just take a look around, okay? Go ahead, just take, take a look. Is there anything, and let's start easy, that you can see but you can't explain? Yeah, right? To this day, I still can't tell you how this little thing will take my voice and put it into a box back here that this guy can play with. Can't, can't explain that. I, I have no idea. He might be able to explain it, okay? Some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, there's somebody sitting right beside me that would fit that category. I'm not going to deny that they're there, but I can't explain them, man. I can't, don't, don't, don't ask me to. It won't work, right? Let's take it up a notch. When you walk outside, can you ask a similar question? Is there anything that you can see out there that you cannot explain how it got there? Anybody with me? Yeah. But you know that to deny that it exists is a problem, right? Because something doesn't come from nothing, although there are people who would like you to believe that. Something does not come from nothing. So you walk out and you see a tree and it's like, I didn't plant that tree, somebody else did. I, I, I don't know what happened. And this is what I want you to do tonight. Tonight I want you to walk outside and hopefully it's a clear sky. And hopefully what you can see is beautiful stars lighting the sky and a moon there. And I want you to sit in awe of the supernatural. And to think about that because we need an awe and we need to bring the awe back for Christmas. Didn't leave, but will you look at it and will you see it? There's a guy by the name of Ralph Waldo Emerson who posed the question, what if the stars only appeared once in a thousand years? Can you imagine that? And let's say that you got to be there on that one night when they showed up. That would change everything, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be like an awesome meeting, right, at that point. Well, this is how he said it. He said, if the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men believe and adore and preserve for many generations the remembrance of the city of God which has been shown? But every night come out these envoys of beauty and light the universe with their admonishing smile. One person added this great piece to this quote when they said this. And we sit inside watching television. You see, what Emerson was doing, he was hinting at something, wasn't he? 
He was hinting at the fact that every night we get a glimpse of God's fingerprint and we ignore it because we've gotten used to it, because it happens every night. And we take it for granted and we miss it. And God's fingerprints are all over us and all around us. And Christmas is a special time where it was so, so, so very evident that we don't want to miss it. Christmas is like that. We can get too used to it. As we consider that light has come, as we've been talking about last week, we looked at from the perspective of a guy by the name of John. And to many, Jesus coming to this world went totally unnoticed, and it still does today, in fact. To many, it was just a couple who had a baby, is what it was. But there was a whole lot going on behind the scenes, a whole lot more than we'll ever be able to grasp, but God himself gives us a little glimpse of what happened that day. And so this week, we're gonna spend some time with a guy by the name of Luke. Luke is one of the writers of what are known as the accounts or the gospels of Jesus Christ. There are four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to take a Bible if you want. If you got a physical one, go ahead and grab it. If not, use an electronic one. If you say, I don't have an electronic one, well, you probably have access to one. If you go to your app store and download the Bible, turn to Luke chapter two. This is going to be the most familiar of the Christmas stories. You can probably blame Charlie Brown for that or Linus, but um, that's probably why, okay? So Luke chapter two, and we're gonna go down to verse number eight. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick up the Christmas story at the announcement of the monumental event. So even before it happened, a few people got in on the secret so that it wouldn't be totally behind the scenes. But as we go there, this is what I want you to do for just a, just a moment. I want you to pretend that you're on the planning commission, the strategic planning commission to send God from heaven down to earth. That's your job. How would you do it? And I want you to compare that to what we're gonna read in Luke 2 and see if there's any comparison at all. Because there's probably not. <laughs> and you already know how God did it, right? So you're like, I'm at an unfair advantage because I feel like to go against what God would do would not be right. Okay, all right, I'll give you that one. But I want you to think about, is it the way you would have done it? Most likely not. Let's start in verse number eight. Like I said, even the announcement. The, amount, the announcement's actually better than the happening, okay? It's more spectacular, it's more supernatural. When it says this in verse eight, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified this bright light was taking place here, something they'd never seen before. It was miraculous. It was supernatural. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Catch the sign here. See how spectacular this looks to you. You'll find a baby. Is that a surprise? Probably not. Wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Gets a little bit surprising there. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, 
peace to those on whom his favor rests. Is that the way you would have drawn it up? How many are like, yep, exactly, exactly like that. I'm talking without the cheat sheet, okay? This is the cheat sheet. Your job is to bring God down here. That's exactly how we're gonna do it? You kidding me? It's like, no way, no way, why? Babies aren't born in barns, people, right? It's like, what in the world? How many, that's in your detail of bringing God down to earth? Have them be born in a barn. Yeah, don't think so. Kings aren't entrusted to common parents, right? Kings aren't born into my family. Are they born into yours? No way, that's not gonna happen. And then announcements. Announcements aren't given to just anyone. Shepherds, common folk. Who are they? You ever wonder in your head? How did they make the cast of the nativity? How? I understand the kings, you know, they're not even supposed to be there, okay? They're not there yet. It takes a few years for them. So you better rip them out of your manger scene, okay? All right, no, don't go do that. But the shepherds, they don't belong there. And all that hay and dirt and stuff. It's like, what's going on here? What seemed underwhelming by all outward appearances It was overwhelming in its significance. It was of huge significance. And thankfully, the shepherds got both. You see, the signs that were given, they were underwhelming. It's like, these are the signs that this is God? They had such a preciseness to them. And they're so unusual. And they'd been talked about for years because there were prophets who hundreds of years before it ever happened were preaching it and sharing it and telling people, this is how you're gonna know that it happens. And there are three that we see that the shepherds were given. They were told, here are the details because you're gonna wanna see God in flesh. You're gonna wanna see him. And so they're wondering, how are we gonna see him? How are we gonna know? And their first one is this. He's going to be born in the town of David. That gives him location, right? And here's the good thing about the town of David. It's called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is believed to be less than 1,000 people, maybe more like 300. How many babies do you think are being born in the same moment? Probably not many. So likelihood is you just narrowed it down for us. Thank you, angels. Then if they couldn't find him just by getting to Bethlehem, they tell him, the baby's going to be wrapped in claws. Clothes, Right? Claws actually are swaddling claws you may have heard of before. That was unusual. That was something that a shepherd would take a new baby lamb and wrap them in because Jesus was gonna be our lamb, our sacrifice. So now it's getting, okay, now I think we might know if we find the right one. And then if they couldn't get it, look for a baby in a manger. How many of you are like, I'm just so used to that. I expect it, right? No, no, we don't, in fact. Lying in a manger. How many babies do you know that were born in a barn? Anybody? Anybody else? I thought, I gotta find the strangest places that babies were born. Do you know that there have been babies born on airplanes? In a parking lot, and this one you're gonna have to look up because you're not gonna believe it, in a tree. And it wasn't because the mom wanted that. She's being chased by a wild animal. You're gonna have to Google it, okay? But in a barn, 
Jesus is the only one that I've ever heard of that was born in a barn. Probably not the only one, but probably the first, right? These were important signs that they needed. But it was so unassuming, yet so significant, because there's three words that these shepherds latched onto that caused them to find the awe that was needed to seek him out. And those words are this, Savior, Messiah, and Lord. They said, that baby born in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and laying in a manger is your Savior, your Messiah, and your Lord. Wow, that changes the game right there, doesn't it? It's like this isn't just any baby. This is the one who'll go to the cross for you to wash your sins away so that you can have a relationship with him and experience him unlike you've ever experienced God. The fingerprints of God all over the place. You see, the light of the angel would lead them to the light of the world. Supernatural event. The announcement, probably what we would deem more supernatural than the birth. That's because we don't understand the birth. We don't understand how God becomes a man. We don't understand that. But it happened. There was evidence for it. It was announced ahead of time to a few And so we start asking questions at that point, right? Why the announcement to these shepherds? Sometimes those least regarded by us are most regarded by God. Did you ever notice that? Just common people that we overlook. God's not overlooking them. So what they do is they come to see Jesus What they've been told turned into what they would see with their own eyes. And we see that if we drop back to our passage, this time go down to verse number 15. See, this was so compelling to them. Obviously, an angel opens up heaven and heaven starts talking to you. You're probably gonna listen, right? But they're like, we gotta go see. We have to go see if these things are true. And so when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in of all places where? A manger. And they knew they weren't just looking at a baby, but they were looking at their God. That's what they found. Have you ever imagined the excitement that the shepherds must have had? inside their hearts when they walked into that barn, into that stable and saw that manger and that baby in that manger. Have you ever experienced excitement that you just couldn't control? Have you? You got the job that you wanted. You got your driver's license, first time, second time, even if it was the third time, okay? (laughs) There's an excitement there, right? I did it! You got married, had your first child, had your second child. Hopefully had the third child and had the same excitement, okay? Don't tell them if you didn't, all right? But there's some things in life, right, that when they happen, what happens? It hits Facebook, doesn't it? Because it's exciting and you just can't contain it. Not even bragging about yourself, but you just want everyone to know because it's the greatest thing that's happened to you that day. 
and you want every single person to know about it. How many have ever done that with the Green Bay Packers before? Yeah, they scored a touchdown and you gotta tell everyone, right? Yeah, there's an excitement that comes with it. Can you imagine though, walking and coming upon after you've been told it's gonna happen and you walk in and there he is. He's with us. The light has come from heaven down to earth. Wow. And we just sit inside and watch television. That excitement needs to boil up and over and out of us because that's how God shares it. You see, what they would see with their own eyes would then become what they would share with their own lips. Have you ever experienced an excitement that you cannot contain? You just can't. So here's the question, and this is not for guilt. It's not. But I wanna ask you an honest question. Do you talk about Jesus that way? Do you? Like when you had the joy of having that first baby. Like when you got married. Like when you passed that test. When you got that job. Did you talk about Jesus that way? And again, don't throw a bunch of guilt on your shoulders. But I want you to go, there needs to be another layer of why. Why not? If you don't, why not? Because we share what we really believe, don't we? We share what we really believe, especially when it's good news. And the best news of all is that God sent his son Jesus at Christmas, a supernatural working of God, so that he could save us. And we need to share that. And so that's what the shepherds did, is they shared it. We see it in verse 17, look at this. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were, what? Amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amazed because they saw it? Nope. Amazed because they got to see the angels too? Nope. Amazed because these plain, common people talked about how God changed their life. That's what amazed them. Can you imagine some of that amazement taking place in your own life? You see, the shepherds knew people. That's why God chose them. They knew people. And you know people. People who need to receive Jesus, the light, so the question is, how will we spread it? How will we share it with them? You see, Bethlehem, like I said, imagine this, okay? Imagine it was 700 people even, 700 people. What do you know? How many have ever lived in a town of 700 people? Probably not many, okay? Oh, a few, all right, right there with you. I grew up in a place called Iowa. Anybody ever hear of Iowa? I had a friend who thought, there's no towns in Iowa, right? They're all cornfields. And it's like, ah, uh, well, no, not quite. You ever heard of Des Moines? Okay, all right. I didn't grow up in Des Moines. Grew up in a place called Marshalltown. 
Go into Farm Fleet, pick up a trowel, and you'll see Marshalltown right there on it, okay? You might be impressed. Wow, they made a trowel. They must have a lot of people, right? 20,000. So we go from Marshalltown, we go to a place called Conrad. Conrad, 700 people. You're like, 700 people? There are towns? Yes, people. Come on, we live in Wisconsin. They're small towns. So what happens when I live in this town of 700 people? You go in, ride your bicycle at a gas station, you go inside, get the soda, and what do they say? Hey, Rob, how you doing? Why? Because everybody knows everybody, right? In Bethlehem, everybody knew everybody. Can you imagine these shepherds, probably 14 years old, maybe 12 years old, maybe up to 40 years old. They live near Bethlehem, maybe live in Bethlehem. They're working the fields around Bethlehem. They walk in and here's this guy, Joseph, who had gone up north after he graduated high school. You won't find those details in the Bible. Don't look for them, okay? Just dream a little bit here. But he's from Bethlehem. He left for a while, but he had to come back because of a census. So he comes back. So some of the guys that he went to high school with, they walk in, who they see? They see God, but who they see with God? Joseph. Joseph. I know Joseph, I do, I do. Common people, common people, just like you, just like me. Who is the shepherd that told you about Jesus the first time? When you got all excited because you couldn't believe that God would do that for you. We need shepherds. You and I need to be shepherds because that's the way that God chose for his word to be spread. That's why our mission at Fox River is so simple. Our heart is people. We love people. We love them so much we want every one of them to find Jesus. Not just find Christmas, find Jesus. Every one of them. And the second half of that mission is simply this. Our message is Jesus and it always will be. Because that's the most important message that you could ever share with anyone. Anyone. So how will we share it? There's people you get to share it with that you don't know and that you will never know. We've talked a little bit about it. It's called My Gift for Jesus. We can share the light of the good news, the supernatural God that we have to people clear across the world. Isn't that amazing? People who are suffering from poverty, from lack of education, lack of clothing, lack of medical needs being met, we get to do that. And the greatest need of all that we get to help partner with others to do that with is to share who Jesus is and how much he loves them. So we say, hey, let's do that, church. Let's be the light and share the light that the light has come. We can do that through my gift for Jesus. I encourage you to go either use the QR code right now even or go to the booth and, and find out more about it. We get to do that. Sometimes we can think that's what it means to share the gospel. That's missions, right? You gotta go across the world, but you don't. You know people, and there are gonna be opportunities unlike any other of the entire year, these next couple of weeks, for you to do that, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that your Savior your Messiah and your Lord has come. And he's here with us. Not in bodily form anymore, no. But he's here and he wants relationship with us and he wants us to experience him.
One of those is through Christmas Eve. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be great. And if you're in town, you're not gonna wanna miss it. If you're out of town, you're not gonna wanna miss it. Fortunate with technology, we don't have to. You can use that physical invite card to invite others to be at service right along with you, and I'd encourage you to do that. Extend that invitation because you will know with confidence that the message of Jesus will be shared with them. Make those invitations. If it's somebody out of town, encourage them to jump online. Be a part of the the services as well for Christmas Eve because that allows us to share that message of Jesus. And I want to give you another one here just to consider, would you? How many are getting together with somebody else for Christmas? I hope every hand goes up here, okay? All right? If you're alone, we got to figure that out. But you're going to have a family get-together probably, aren't you? And it's probably quite a mix. In fact, some of you are going to be like, man, it's a great time because just like church, man, my family's all Christians and we talk about Jesus, we get out the Bible, we read it, we pray. I would suspect that most are not like that, though. That many are like, you know what? My family, it's not full of Christians. In fact, there's several people who, they're not too sure about this whole God thing. Anybody in that boat? You'd say, you know what? I'm gonna be with some people. Yeah, that I love deeply. But they've not experienced the supernatural working of God through Jesus Christ in their life. Could it be that God wants you to be the one who changes that? He'll do the changing. So don't take that upon yourself. But I was challenged this last week as I was reading devotions and then had, had someone who had written a devotional that I was reading along with it. And they're talking about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't even about Christmas. It was any time. One of the things that they had to remind me, it's sad that they had to remind me of this, is this, is that you need to be praying for those family members and friends that don't know Jesus before you expect to have a conversation with them about it. We call it bless here. Begin with prayer. Would you commit to Christ follower praying for those people that you're going to be with this Christmas that have not experienced the supernatural working of God, that Jesus is their Savior, their Messiah, and their Lord? And would you pray that they would be open to a conversation? Then would you be ready to possibly step into that conversation? I'd be like, that's the hard part. It can be. It can be. But when you start thinking about what Jesus did for you, don't you want that for them also? And when you think about how many times it took for someone to talk to you probably about Jesus, would you give them the grace as well for you to be one other person to talk to them about Jesus? And be like the shepherds. I don't think they just went around saying, we gotta see angels, we gotta see angels, we gotta see angels. Christ said, we gotta see a baby born in Bethlehem, lying in a manger. But he's our savior, he's our Messiah, and he's our Lord. You might not quite word it that way, but what has Jesus done in your life that you can share with someone else? Has he saved you from your sins? They might wanna know that. Has he brought you a peace and joy? 
they might want to know how to get that as well. He has given you eternal life, and that's something that everyone needs. Will you be the one who shares it this Christmas? In a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to encourage you just to have a conversation with God. If there's someone specifically that you're going to see, the people that you know this Christmas, would you lean into that? Would you ask him to help you to be able to share with them the good news? If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, that's the greatest Christmas gift you could ever receive. Jesus came for you as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Messiah. And he wants you to receive him. He doesn't force himself on you, but he says, I am a gift to you. And the way you receive that gift is by believing, trusting. And so in a moment, as we pray, I'm gonna encourage you to receive that gift. Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm gonna pray. There are people that I know and that I know that I need to share Jesus with. And I'm willing to do that. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I'm willing to do that. Would you just raise your hand saying, that's me, that's me, okay. At our campuses, online as well. If you're here today and you say, I've never trusted Christ, but I'm beginning to get a little glimpse of the supernatural. You might be a, I have a hard time believing it unless I can see it person. You might be, but sometimes there's evidence that we can't see. And salvation is one of those. We cannot see how God washes away our sin, but we have evidence of it and he tells us about it. He says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. It's supernatural. If you're ready to do that, would you pray to him right now something like this, dear God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and you sent him so that he could go to a cross and through the shedding of his blood, wash away the consequence of my sin. That's a beautiful gift, and I want that gift. So I'm placing my faith, my trust in you right now. And I'm receiving you as my Savior, as my Messiah, as my Lord. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, say, that's me, Pastor. Today, right now, I'm receiving that gift. Would you just raise your hand? You're placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Okay, all right. Lord God, we thank you. That type of love is unmistakable. Even though, God, it's hard to see. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to embrace it. Embrace it so much that we cannot keep it in. And we'll share it with others. We praise you, we thank you, in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.